This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of OPI Talk with me, Andy Braithwaite. And in today's episode, we are heading to Scotland to speak with Colin Campbell, the managing director of the country's leading independent dealer, Langstein. Good morning, Colin. Great to see you. And thanks for being on OPI Talk. Well, good morning, Andy. It's a pleasure to meet up with you. The last time I remember meeting up with you was at Paper World a number of years ago. Um, when we met up for a short interview. Sure, yeah, I remember you, yeah. well. You you there with your your purchasing team? Obviously, Paperworld. Absolutely. Paperworld no more in its uh, in 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 the form that we that we knew it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Any, any any plans for you to to attend the the, the Ambiente version that's going to take place next next year? Well, we looked at that um, and we felt that the the content or the you know the expectations we have for that would be probably not worth our while going. Um, doesn't quite tick enough boxes for us, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that one and see if it develops to be more appropriate. But no, we're not attending that one. Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll keep an eye out for, for for that show and and how that develops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we talk a little bit more about Langstein, perhaps you could start mm. off by telling us a little bit about yourself. But myself, well, I've I've been managing director now at Langstein, uh, believe it or not, for thirty five years. Wow. Um, which doesn't seem it's blown by. Um, and prior to that, my father was managing director. Um, so we've only had two managing directors in our entire history. Uh, I uh, joined the company straight from school, um, into the family business. We were much smaller back then, of course, and, and I've, I've been part of that evolution uh, since that point. I actually joined the business in 1974. Wow, yeah. I'll repeat that, 1974. <laughs> I just I can't believe where the time has gone. Um, so I've seen quite a lot of decades of change uh, in 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 our business and indeed in the industry, and uh, we're still going strong uh, all these years later. So uh, I my my original um, background was basically learning all the ropes of a of a dealer, mm. everything from sweeping the floors to loading vans, unloading vans, um, warehousing, sales, purchasing. I just climbed the ladder, so to speak, and um, eventually was ready to take over from my father. And mm. it's been 35 years of wow. yeah. continual evolution since then, okay. uh, as you say, to to be the leading dealer of our kind in Scotland. Okay. We'll talk a little bit more about yeah. how you've evolved shortly. But I, I know that you've been celebrating your 75th anniversary as a business yeah. this year. So congratulations yeah. Yeah. On, on reaching that Thank milestone. You. What has that mm. meant well, you know, it kind of crept up on us. Um, we've had a few milestones over the years, of course, which have been in, during my time as MD. Um, we celebrated our 50th. We celebrated our 60th. Um, for some reason, we 70th came and went. We didn't think about it for some reason. <laughs> but it's not one of those numbers that necessarily uh, people celebrate. So we got to 75 all of a sudden and thought, well, um, we better just um, celebrate that. Mm. Um, we've probably been celebrating it quite modestly because... You know, coming out of the, the period we've just come through with COVID and everything else, and we're still kind of in that recovery, resetting mode. Mm. So we've not done anything too lavish or too major. We've kind of done lots of small things uh, with our staff uh, internally, um, mm. obviously spreading the word, uh, our customers, 
Um, we've obviously kept them informed and thanked them for being with us all the time that we've been around, um, giving them a few limited edition corporate gifts mm, along okay. the way, everything from pens to, to mugs and all the usual stuff. Um, so, yeah, and, and we've got a, just something, if you've been able to come and visit us in person, we, I, I've, over the years, um, as my father did before me, collected various bits and pieces of, of just things that we've gathered as a business. And there's a small sort of display and museum area in our reception, which uh, is going back uh, all the way to 1947. There's various things from right. old adding machines to the first Apple Macintosh computer we had to all kinds of yeah. uh, equipment and supplies. So I think, uh, think I think the original it was obviously it was called Langstein Press uh, yeah. in the early days, and it was uh, more yeah. more to do on the, on the printing side, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah, my father yeah. and his two brothers, it was two of my uncles, also were were involved at the beginning. Um, they were printers. Um, you know, so they, they began as a printing company and the Langstein press, uh, press part is because of the printing and, and Langstein came from uh, the location of the business. And that mm. was in the city centre of, of Aberdeen in the northeast of Scotland. And, and we have uh, a street in, in the city centre called Langstein Place. Yeah. And Langstein Place is named after an old historic standing stone. A, a single standing stone uh, that was before the city grew into that area was just in a field, um, and it was known as the Lang Stain, oh, okay. uh, right. Long yeah. Stone, yeah. Uh, Scottish yeah. for Long Stone. So uh, that's that's where our name came from, and it yeah. stuck, obviously. Yeah, there wasn't um, there wasn't a Mister Langstein who who began the business. No, no, it was, no, no. Yeah. It was the Campbells through yeah. through the Campbells, yeah. were are the family owners of the businesses still are to this day, hmm. um, and. Uh, yeah, Langstein came from that uh, local landmark okay. um, and right. the area we, we worked from initially. Um, our headquarters now in Aberdeen is, is, is not there anymore. We moved to purpose-built premises uh, back in 1998, um, which uh, allowed us to have much larger facility of uh, our admin needs, our warehousing needs, our, our production needs, because we still are a printer. Um, and... Uh, we also, of course, have a branch in Dundee and a branch in Livingston, mm. uh, which has serviced our, our growth throughout Scotland uh, in the last 20 years. Right. You don't, um, you don't have anything in, in Glasgow or, or Edinburgh. Is it a reason for that? No. Uh, well, originally we acquired a company in Edinburgh uh, in 2005, uh, but our goal was to uh, develop business throughout the central belt of Scotland, so Edinburgh, Glasgow, and all points in between south and north of there. So we found that the uh, the um, best place to be located to service that is is at a point between Edinburgh and Glasgow. Okay. Um, mm. And Livingston is about uh, ten to fifteen miles west of Edinburgh. Um, you know, so it's in a good position for okay. servicing the whole of the central belt of Scotland. Mm. Uh, so that's why we're in Livingston, and uh, it does it does service well and has allowed us to develop business and grow the business. Okay, so you operate throughout throughout the country, throughout Scotland. Yeah, yeah. our main growth uh, through that acquisition of the strategy involved, um, you know, way back in in uh, pre pre this century. So in the nineteen nineties, we recognised the need for the business to continue growing, and we couldn't ultimately grow forever just based in the northeast of Scotland. So we naturally spread south, uh, acquired businesses in Dundee initially, which is one hour south of Aberdeen. Uh, and then we moved for the Edinburgh business in 2005. 
relocated them to Livingston to give us a better platform for growth, mm-hmm. uh, much better logistically for distribution. And uh, we um, have continued to grow out of that move by becoming, by making those steps towards growing geographically. Mm. We became much better placed for uh, bidding for and winning national contracts within Scotland. Okay. Uh, yeah, particularly in, in the central belt, in, in central belt, which is dominated by public sector contracts. Okay. Uh, mm. So our public sector business has grown dramatically uh, since we expanded into those areas. Mm. Okay. You, you talked a little bit about about Scotland and the areas that you serve. Just tell us something about the the, the business products market in in Scotland. Yeah. A, a size, uh, the market, yeah. the sort of the typical cust- customer base. You mentioned that the private sector is very important, yeah. and I know that's an area that you've been expanding into over the years, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the public sector. Um, yeah, well, the I, to be honest, I don't know what the size of the market is in Scotland. Um, there's no nowhere I know that captures that. I mean, obviously, the the Boss Federation in the UK um, does have statistics and, and measures of, of what the industry is like in the whole of the UK. Um, I've never seen a breakdown of what the Scottish market is worth. Um, all I know is there's a lot of business out there that we don't have yet, and there's plenty more growth. <laughs> Um, that we can, we can achieve, uh, as I'm pretty sure all the other dealers in Scotland do. I think the Scottish market, in terms of the industry, it's it's just the same as south of the border. It's Thank the same you. as England, mm. all parts of the UK. Um, we have the same competitors who, you know, as an independent, we are de- competing against other independents, but our main competitors tend to be the national and international companies that are around. So it is it is all those very well-known, familiar names to all of us. Um, and then you add in the online uh, competition that we all face now as well. Mm. Uh, then, then it's the same market. It's the same. It's the same product. It's the same types of customers, uh, and it's the same competitors that we face. Um, there, there's really no difference. The only difference maybe we see in Scotland in comparison to England would be the political landscape, which is obviously dominated by a, um, a Scottish nationalist uh, flavour mm. at our local government end of things in, in Scotland and. And that uh, that's an additional, if you like, um, instability uh, that uh, that adds to the mix of of other instabilities at the moment. Um, but uh, the market is very much uh, just the same as you'd expect it to be anywhere in the UK. Yeah, being being a Scotland based and a and a family owned Scottish business, mm. does that give you any advantages when 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 bidding against perhaps some of the uh, the companies from from south south of the border or even further afield. You know, I I wish it did more. Um, <laughs> it, it does sometimes, but not enough. I think when it boils down to it, and and business is business, you know, and uh, you've got to be competitive. You've got to be in the right place at the right time. You've got to be excellent at customer service, and you've got to fight for your share. Um, and uh, you know we, we've got to be all those things. We don't just get it because we're local. Yeah. Um, local helps, um, but it's not everything. And in this day and age, even more so in recent years, the ability to source and purchase anything online and get it delivered to your doorstep the next day kind of takes away the local edge that all businesses used to have. You always used to say, well, I'm local, I'm here, I'm quicker, I can do it for you now. But the reality is, all our competition can deliver into Aberdeen next day from anywhere. Uh, you know, so we've no real competitive edge on on delivery 
and so on. And that what that was an edge back in the day. Uh, mm. That was one of our edges uh, originally, because okay. um, we we invested a lot in in stocking product here in our warehouse, so we could give a better delivery and a quicker delivery than than generally people in the south were able to do. But distribution and logistics have improved, and uh, we no longer have that edge. Okay, so um, so has that changed your inventory position? You perhaps don't hold as much stock because you don't need to, or or, or well, to save, saving on perhaps some some capital overheads there well uh, again i wish that was the case but um <laughs> unfortunately uh while, whilst our competitors seem to be quite good at getting goods into our area uh, our suppliers aren't so clever uh-huh. um we we uh, we aren't getting uh product as quickly as we need to at times so we need to still stock to give the service we want to give um it's very difficult getting next day delivery from uh, our sources um there was a time where you could rely upon the wholesalers to do that um but it's very difficult now their their service levels aren't what they used to be so we can't um if you like use a wholesaler uh, as if it was our own stock uh, anymore um so we still have to maintain quite a high level of stock of the fast movers things that we need every day of the week mm-hmm. um we've, we've got to still have them in stock okay within langston would rationalize that by only having one major stock holding we don't have major stock in three different sites hmm. uh, you know so we have a, a ma- our main headquarters site is the main stock uh, and we deliver overnight to uh, the other two branches um, so we, we manage our stock as efficiently as possible but we still have to stock right you referred to wholesalers mm. there have been some major changes in the uk wholesaling channel over the past couple of yeah. years certainly since the middle of of 2020 how, how has that impacted yeah. your business well, it's impacted us quite a lot. We we did rely upon them for, as I say, that next day delivery where we were getting wholesalers coming in before business hours the next morning. You know, you'd, you'd order, you'd collect orders during the day, anything you didn't have in stock, you'd throw from the wholesaler, you'd place the order with them late afternoon. And the next morning we'd have them before we need to deliver to our customers. So in the customer's perception of things was we had them in stock, um, mm. you know, because they came out uh, next morning, no problem at all. But uh, none of the wholesalers are able to deliver that early in the day anymore. So we're, our wholesale supply is coming in after our vehicles would normally leave to mm-hmm. deliver um, and, and not at a, a consistent timing either. So it's very unreliable um, at the moment and we can't uh, expect them to be as good as they used to be. Our other wholesale options are actually the ones that are doing the better ones, the ones who are more uh, new to, to the market, um, they're they're actually performing better than the more traditional ones, mm. um, which is interesting. Um, okay. They've seen an opportunity and, and gone for it. Uh, so yeah, we're we're a bit fragmented at the minute with wholesale supply, and we're probably using three or four different sources um, to fulfil what maybe used to mostly come from one. Yeah, and obviously within that, you, you've got different product needs that compared yeah. with what you had before which perhaps other yep. wholesalers will specialize in more than yeah. your traditional sources absolutely yeah well if you if you look at um, some of the growth and things like ppe um then yeah you have obviously the traditional office products wholesalers are including ppe but there are better wholesalers who are just in ppe that we now use for products like that so there are if you like new wholesalers coming on the scene that are in the specialist areas that our uh, industry have developed into, um, you know. So whether it be 
PPE or office machines. Um, you, you're, you're going to the specialists in those areas rather than going to the mainstream wholesalers. Mm. Yeah. I mean, how how yeah. has your product mix and services mix evolved over the years? For example, are you still involved yeah. in, the, in the printing side of things or you've moved on totally from yeah. that now? Well, printing is kind of in our DNA. It's, it's a difficult one to even imagine us not doing. Um, so we still have a printing uh, department, um, you know, so we have print equipment and we have printers and we have um, pre-pressed people. We've, we've got everything we've always had. That's evolved itself though into, into much different thing from what it used to be. We've always been very much a printer who prints items required in the office, you know, so it's, a, it's compatible with supplying office supplies and office products. So we're, we're not a specialist printer by any means. It's, it's standard commercial uh, jobbing print work that we're we're still doing, with the addition of of more exciting color type work with, uh, you know, doing pop up signs and and posters and 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 signage and so on. So we're 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 moving with the times on the print side. Print is now less than ten percent of what we do, um, but on its own as a regional printer, it's a significant printer. Um, but um, the uh, the other things that we we do product mix wise, it's interesting that last year. Office furniture was 46% of what we do. Wow. Um, mm. It's a significant part of who we are now. Um, mm. And uh, uh, print and promo is a pr- promo, promotional product side of our business is, is tagged in with print now. So print and promo would be about uh, 10 to 12% of the business. Uh, office furniture, 46 uh, And the rest would be office products, which includes, in, in our categorization, it includes... Uh, those new areas like janitorial and mm. and uh, catering and PPE and everything else. So it's it's uh, the the fast moving consumable side. Um, so it, it's it's always evolving. It's always changing. And um, in terms of how we've evolved into what the, we used, we used to be a printer stationer. Yeah. That, I mean, that's who mm. we were. We did printing, we did stationery. Um, we still do both those things, but we're you couldn't call us either a printer or a stationer. That's that's misleading because we we that's only part of what we do. Um, that's one of the frustrating things. Who we become? There's no one word for it. You know all the things that our industry now supply, the diversity, the width of our portfolios, are such that there's no real identity to all that. Mm. You know, what is that? What do you call all of that? And of course, the consumer, the marketplace, the people we sell to, they don't necessarily recognize all that and know they can get all that i was just about to ask you that how do you how do you how do you get that message over to your to your customers it's a perpetual challenge it's very very difficult we've had to structure in a way which by we've realized that our single typical sales force where you've got teleservice people and you've got field sales account managers they can't sell everything it's impossible they don't have the depth of knowledge and 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 the reach so over the years, we've developed specialist teams to support that. So we've got people who are expert in office furniture and office interiors and space planning and so on. And we've got people who are experts in printing and promotional products. Uh, and, and we've we've continued to, to develop in those ways to make sure we're maximizing the potential of some of those more specialist areas. And that seems to have worked, particularly with uh, office furniture, where we've, we've developed that greatly. But But the main... The main way we've grown the business, and I'm sure I've said this to you in the past, Andy, it's the it's a simple basic principle that we once we develop a good strong customer relationship, um, and we've got a good um, supply going with them, 
then we look for other products and services we can supply them. Because it's much easier to grow our sales by selling more to an existing client yeah. than to find a new client. Um, and we continue to do that to this day. And that still works. It's worked since 1947. Uh, and it will continue to work. So more than ever now, we've got far more to have that conversation about. Um, you know, if you're a print, if you just do print and your only other thing you do is stationary, you can talk about stationary. So it's two things. But now there's such a diverse range of things we can begin to introduce to our customers that the opportunities are, are limitless, really. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, we see great potential and continue to develop that. Mm. One of the best examples of diversifying and, and finding more things to sell um, and also taking us so far away from who we are, what you think we do, uh, is when we first uh, won the NHS contract within Scotland for supplying office furniture to all NHS locations. Um, we, the second uh, term of that contract, we asked them if we could also uh, consider bidding for uh, patient care furniture. So we were already supplying successfully office furniture to the, all the offices and all the hospitals. So we thought, well, it's not that far a reach to think that we could also supply furniture to the wards mm. within the hospitals. Um, and uh, they said, yeah, well, if you can be competitive with that and be reliable, then yeah, you can bid for that. Well, we did bid for that. And we won a, a place on, on the framework agreement for that. And we now supply many of the hospitals in Scotland with uh, patient care furniture. Okay. Uh, and that's that's everything from overbed tables to, you know, um, mm. the chairs that visitors sit in or the um, uh, locker, locker, bedside lockers um, for the wards. Um, and believe it or not, commodes. We supply commodes to hospitals. Uh, so... It's it's just incredible how just by making an effort and asking yeah. a question, you you get sure. the opportunities yeah. that come your way. So yeah. so we actually are quite large now in in supplying the healthcare industry with mm. um, products that go into uh, patient uh, right. situations. Mm. Um, not the specialist stuff. We're not at the end of supplying equipment and stuff for for wards. Yeah, sure. Uh, but the basic furnishings mm. for wards. Um, and uh, clinics and so on we're now supplying yeah. and that's led to us supplying some of those things to care homes okay. uh, uh, with mm. NHS as well so that's a separate market altogether right. um, so yeah we, we continue to there's no limit to what we sell and, and we, we always uh, uh, consider that um, there's something else that's round the corner that we never imagined we'd be supplying that is something we're going to supply and of course specials has always been huge for us you know, so as we, we, we try and develop uh, um, understanding with our customers or they, they have this perception of us that we we do everything. Um, and, and if they don't know where to get something, they ask us. Um, and sometimes it's something we don't have and we don't normally do, but we know where to get it. We know how to source it and we can help our customer hmm. um, and, and, and develop it that way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're very... Uh, diverse now in what we do and that's the biggest change in 75 years is the width of what we do the tens of thousands of products i think the last time i asked our uh, sale director um how many lines we had now available through our web store it's it's something like eighty thousand lines okay. um which uh, and we only stock four thousand you know so mm. that's huge yeah okay you you, you talk yeah. about the the healthcare vertical 
there? Has that been mm. more resilient over the past couple of years with, with COVID and everything than perhaps some of, some of the other verticals? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, obviously, for, if you like, negative reasons why they've been so active. But yeah, during, uh, during the early times of COVID, it actually uh, peaked uh, with record figures because um, they were, well, in England, they were setting up uh, these um, Florence Nightingale hospitals um, and Scotland was one in, in Glasgow, which was called the Louisa Jordan. Uh, so we were involved in, in getting that commissioned and, and set up and supplying quite large quantities of things like these bedside lockers, overhead, overbed tables, uh, all kinds of, of product went in there. Um, yeah, so the actual uh, category of healthcare during the COVID crisis was the only category that didn't drop. Um, okay. It actually increased. All right. So sales went up. So it helped offset healthcare. some of the declines in the other Offset other a little bit. Mm. Offset a little bit. We did decline overall, uh, but it did offset a lot of it. Indeed, our Livingston branch, which is uh, dominated by public sector uh, supply to our customers, and, and particularly the NHS, um, they had, a, they had a, a decent year in, mm. in that first COVID year. Uh, it wasn't the worst year for them, whereas everywhere else it was less uh, reliant upon NHS, uh, suffered greatly. Um, but yeah, the um, that that's been a great move for us. The, the let's say the public sector contracts we now have, uh, which aren't just the NHS, it's also the local council ones, uh, and indeed universities and colleges. Mm. Um, that they've been uh, very beneficial to us, and indeed have added to that new statistic of furniture being forty six percent of yeah. of what we do. Okay, good. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we we were talking offline just before this podcast about you know the challenges of covid but i mean covid is not the only challenge that you you've had in 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 recent <coughs> years obviously yeah. you're based in aberdeen which is i think described mm. as the energy capital of, of the uk yeah. so very yep. very closely tied to the to the energy sector mm. which i think went through a, a, yep. a very rocky period uh was it perhaps yep. five six or seven years ago around yep. that time so yep. i guess dealing with Challenges like that is nothing new. No, exactly. Um, it was 2015, 2016, the oil and gas industry crashed big time um, with a huge drop in the price of the a barrel of oil. Um, and that meant huge, huge cuts within oil and gas companies and businesses, massive rationalizations, mergers, closures, redundancies, you name it. It was an absolute disaster. Um, and... You know, we, we benefited from oil and gas in the northeast Scotland for 50 years now. Uh, and there are, thankfully, more ups and downs. But when there is a down, we, we catch it big time. Mm. And, uh, you know, we, we can have uh, uh, a really challenging time. And that was not the first time we've, we've had an oil and gas recession, but it was certainly the worst one ever. Um, and much worse, in fact, than uh, we, we saw... The, the recessionary effect of COVID and the lockdowns and so on wasn't as bad as, as the oil and gas one. So we, we feel like we had the oil and gas recession that affected Langston in 2015-16. Uh, and then it took a good two, three years to get things back on track uh, coming out of that. Uh, and then we're hit by COVID. Um, we're literally back on track and back on the up. And then COVID hit. And I remember saying to the team when we were facing the reality of what was happening and what was likely to happen, that one thing in our favour is, and I used the, the terminology, we're still match fit for this. 
we've we've been doing this very recently. We we know what we need to do to deal with when when there's a recession and we're under pressure. So let's get on with it. You know, we we know what we have to do, um, and that's one of the benefits of uh, a business that's been going for 75 years. Um, and in the 35 years I've been MD, we've probably had before COVID, we've had probably three to four uh, recessions, um, either national or local, that have had to had a reaction. You know, we had to change, we had to evolve, we had to rationalise, restructure, do what we had to do. Mm. And each time we do that, we come out the other end stronger. Um, you know, so and, and then there's a an effect, there's a, an accumulative effect then. And when you get them so close together, it's even more powerful because you've, you've still got that momentum going of uh, of doing all the right things as a business. Uh, and I think we were as ready as any could have been for mm. the impact of COVID. Um, but then, of course, the impact was different. It's a different kind of uh, recession. I mean, I, I could never believe I'd ever be spending best part of 18 months of, of, uh, of my working life was working from home. And that's something that I'd never done. Um, and none of my colleagues had ever done. So the business had to change yet again mm. to accommodate that. We had to be really flexible, adaptable, um, and, uh, you know, d- do so many things in a different way. Yeah, sure. Um, and, mm. and that's, again, something we've come through and become all the stronger for. Even things like, you know, doing having a Teams meeting with yourself. We didn't really use Teams before COVID. It was there. We knew it was around, but we yeah. didn't have to use it. Mm. So we didn't use it. And then it became a daily uh, mm. need, and we now use it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so been a, it's been COVID's been a you know a, a, a tough experience for everybody, but I think we've gained a lot from it. We've learned a lot, and some of the legacy of it is going to be to our advantage going forward. Okay, so look, looking ahead, I mean, it's difficult to escape the, the extreme, extremely high gas and energy prices yeah. at the moment, and yet at the same time talking about possible. Recession. I mean, how, how do you how do you view the next twelve months? Well, interestingly, um, every year I do a, a, an annual briefing to all our staff, and I, I tell them how I, how I see things, how things are going, how we've been doing in the last year, how I see the coming year, and it's harder than ever to actually make any predictions because of so much uncertainty that's around us. Um, and I think there's probably more questions than answers to what next. Mm. Um, you know, the war in Ukraine, uh, the oil and gas industry scenario, um, the rising energy costs, the uh, fuel costs. Um, we're still obviously reeling in Britain from the post-Brexit effect. There's a post-pandemic effect. Um, we've got the rising cost of living, we've got inflation, uh, you name it. It's just, they're all lining up. And um, I, I just feel that when you're in that scenario, you you... you you have to admit there's nothing we can do about any of that. That's all out with our control. So you have to try and park that, mm. uh, not ignore it, because it is there and we have to be aware of what's going on. But we can't control it, so let's not not worry about that. We've got to just make sure that we are doing the right thing. We've got to make sure that we do the right things where we can control it. You know, So we're in control of our own actions. We're in control of our own decisions. Mm. And we must be sharper than ever right now and maintain that kind of, particularly maintain that flexibility and adaptability we had during the COVID challenge. Um, you know, so that continued mm. flexibility and ability to change direction, refresh, uh, review strategy, 
um, particularly get close to customers and understand they're going through all the same things yeah. as we are. So together, you know, if, if we can be in a position where we're uh, in that um, supportive role for our customers to assist them getting through the challenges they're facing, then, you know, we, we can work together with them to make sure we come up the other end in a good position. Um, we've got uh, staff here who, who, as I say, we, we, we came through a tough time through COVID really well, and it was because of their flexibility, their adaptability, their versatility that we, we've, we've done all right. You know, we've come through the other end in a good position. Mm. And I said to them all at this recent uh, briefings I did that it's all that versatility they've got, or as I called it, langstonility, um, that, that's going to see us through. You know, we just got to keep on that track, keep being mm. flexible, keep being aware, stay close to your customers, um, do everything we can, do the best we can, um, and uh, we'll come out the other end in good shape. But what's going to happen, nobody can predict. Um, the strange thing right now, Andy, is if we look at our business today, you know, in November 2022, there's all that gloom and doom in the news and the newspapers and on television, and it's all about recession and inflation and political unrest and wars and everything else. And business is okay. Right. Mm. I don't know what mood you get from other dealers <laughs> and that, but we're doing okay. You know, there's <clears throat> there's no sign of a downturn. There's no sign of a drop in sales. In fact, they're growing. Um, we've also had to deal with maybe some margin pressures because of supply chain issues and continued price increases, but that settles down. You get on top of that and you manage it and you, and you get back to think, where you want to be. Yeah. Do you think that's related in a way to COVID, uh, new ways of working, some kind of pent-up demand? Perhaps people are looking how to refurbish their own offices and the way they work, and that, that's been an opportunity for you, especially on the furniture side? That might be part of it, but I don't think it's any one thing. Um, I, I just, I just feel that I feel we're still a little bit in recovering from COVID. Um, I think some of our business that we lost, uh, that dropped during COVID, was caused by working from home practices. Um, people use less of our products and services working from home than they do in the office. Mm. I don't entirely know why that is, but it's a fact. Um, so they, you know, they they need to get back in the office and it's still the case that many aren't back in the office but there still is a gradual return we're still seeing more of our customers bringing staff back um and i think that is beginning to see an uplift in our sales because of that mm. um so there's a bit of that repositioning of staff is, is does, that, uh, does that work from home bit. customer t- tend to buy their their supplies somewhere else i think that's happened i think there's been a lot of leakage uh, and I, I would say the whole industry has suffered from that because because our customers that reset and send people home and so on and they were uh, making stopgap decisions. Some of those decisions might have been, okay, in the meantime, if you need anything, get it yourself and claim it on expenses or whatever, you know. And then obviously the easy route is you go online mm. and everything from Amazon to all sorts of other options are there. Uh, and I think uh, some businesses leaked out in those directions, but we can identify that. We can, you know, we are looking at our our sales history and we can see the customers that aren't buying as much or the same products and we are slowly but surely getting back in there and reminding them that we're mm. still here, we're still yeah. around. Um, that's been a big change, of course, the fact that for as part of two years, our customers didn't want to see us. Um, so when you've got a sales force who normally go around visiting customers mm. who suddenly can't go around visiting customers, then you lose that connection. Um, and, and that's a slow uh recovery we're still trying to go through there it's not back to where it was before 
Yeah, and obviously you're still sales, kind of out of touch. Yeah, I say your, yeah. your sales teams have obviously had to adapt to, to new ways of working, perhaps using uh, you know, video and, and those yeah, they have, those yeah. kind of things more often. Yeah, definitely. Uh, mm. I walked through the office the other day. One of our sales account managers who used to never see in the office, he was always with his customers. He was sat at his desk in the middle of the open plan office and he had, he had his headset on and he was uh, on a call with a customer. Mm. I could see the customer on his on his laptop in front of him. Um, you know, so we never would have seen that yeah. two and a half years ago. And you now see that now um, in, in offices around the land. Mm. Um, but but I don't, I, I prefer personal contact where possible. And I think relationships will be much tighter if you can see people and be with people. Um, so it's not entirely uh, a, a good replacement for the way it was before. It's an adequate stopgap thing, yeah. but I don't think mm. it can take over from the, sure. the age old people mm. like people and we need to mm. work with each other to to be successful and, and it's difficult to do it um, through a screen. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Now, a couple more questions just to, to finish off. I see you've got, uh, in terms of the, the family business, you've got the, the third generation of, of Campbell's. <coughs> coming yeah. through i think correct me if i'm wrong your net is it your nephew mark who's involved in the business well it's my it's my it's my cousin's son okay all right so what's mm. that is that a second cousin <laughs> i don't know what you call that it's my cousin's <laughs> son anyway um yeah so his uh his grandfather was one of the original founders mm. his grandfather was my father's brother right okay uh so yeah. yeah uh mark mark's been with us um well he's he's probably been with us now what um 29 years okay, right. <laughs> so uh so it's a similar, so similar served, story he, to yourself where he, yeah, he started when he, he was young and he kind of started school, all the okay right, school, yeah he's yeah. 16 yeah. Uh, straight from school um and uh he's he's particularly driven our office furniture uh mm. division so uh, it's a big chunk of the business so he's right up there in terms of um on on the board of directors running the business and and mm. driving forward growth and that major part of the business so yeah we're, we're well served in third generation to have mm. uh, Campbell um, leadership management around for for many years to come all right um, yeah okay good stuff now now we're speaking just just ahead of the the World Cup in, in in Qatar which is due to kick off in a few days I guess you're looking forward to a good run from the from the England team in that competition. <laughs> well, well, do you, do you want do you want a, a diplomatic answer, or do you want to know what I really think? Some, some, something that can be said uh, on on a, on a podcast at least. I don't have to put too many bleeps. <laughs> okay, well, um, I, I I do follow football. I, mean, I like my football, and, and I will watch England. Um, but I'll watch any of the teams playing mm. the World Cup. Um, in England, uh, obviously, quality side. Not been in form lately. Um, World Cup could be tough. Um, they should qualify from their group, but after that, I think it's going to be real challenging for them. Um, I think there's a few defensive issues in the team. So <laughs> once they meet the top countries with the top strikers, that could be a problem. But um, who knows? You never know. Right. I, I've always said. I've always said one of the things that that England have always been um, regularly. Uh, Good at good at doing is talking. They always talk themselves up and expect to win. Uh, and I've always said, the year England win the World Cup will be the year they don't think they're going to be good enough to do it. Um, uh, you know, I, I think they've always been a bit too um, cocky about it. 
Um, I, I, I think there's more, more and more realism coming into the English football team uh, and more importantly, the fans. And they realise that, well, we're, we're not necessarily guaranteed to win this. It's going to be a tough, tough yeah. call. Okay, good. Um, you know, and yeah. I, I think the, the more the more realistic they'll become, maybe that door might open and they might just get the, the luck that they need to, to go all the way. But I think it's going to be very, very hard. Very, a very, very diplomatic response there, there, Colin. And perhaps yeah. more positive than I, than I was expecting. I think you, you sound more positive than a lot of England fans who, who were saying, well, yeah. they, they might not even get out of the group. Yeah, well, I'm saying that's, but I think that's a good thing. That's it's a, very precisely the thing I'm meaning. It's like that, that means they have a chance now. But it's when you talk them up, that just, <laughs> that, that, that expectation cripples them. But if they realise that no, there's no God given right for them to win, then they're going to have to work very hard for it. And get some luck along the way, and they might have a chance. Yeah. Um, but there you go. Um, okay. Well, pity, pity Scotland didn't qualify, but. Uh, well, know, I'll be sporting but, Wales, obviously. When it comes to the England Wales game, I'm, I'll be fully Welsh. But uh, yeah, yeah, Scotland didn't quite make it. It's the closest yeah. we've come in many a year. Um, but they're they're definitely a lot better than they were. But uh, okay. no, we're used to being uh, the the bridesmaid, never the bride, in terms of. Scottish football, but we'll 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 come again. All right. Okay. Well, listen. Thank you for your time today, Colin. I yeah. really appreciate that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, all the best with the uh, the rest of your anniversary year and beyond. Okay. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. And uh, all the best to you and everyone else at OPI. Cheers. Thanks very much, Colin. Thanks. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk.